Welcome to Real Talk. I am Tina. And I am Anne. How have you been this week, Tina? I know that you've been pretty busy. Yes, I am training for a trip that's coming up in July, a really big hiking adventure that I'm super excited about. And I'm doing really well. And honestly, any day that is a great day, any week that is a great week, it's I love just the ordinary because they become extraordinary. So one of my sons just had a birthday. That's always fun. I love how wonderful all my kids have got along this weekend. Don't mistake it. They do fight. But this weekend was great. <laughs> and oh, my how, goodness. Yeah, you got to take all the good days. And how especially sweet my big kid has been to both of his younger brothers. He can be an instigator sometimes to the middle oh, one. But okay. he's been so just so unbelievably even sweeter than he normally is. And I love going to his baseball games and it's been a great week. How about you? you know, yeah. You know, it's been amazing. And, you know, of course we've had our bumps in the road, but when you were just talking about uh, your son and how great he's been and he can be an instigator, this is really funny. I just have to tell this story real quick is my younger son came in and said, um, they're in the bedroom and he was talking about his brother and sister. He's like, they are in the bedroom and they're actually getting along. <laughs> it was so funny. I just cracked up so bad because they never get along. They never play well together. And even my youngest was like, um, what's wrong? Because they're getting along. <laughs> And then you count those days as gifts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're all gearing up for summer. So it's kind of really, I don't know, it, it feels like a really good transition coming up. Yeah, I'm with you. So let's go on to the topic that we have this week. I just want to say how proud I am of my kids. You know, we are doing so many things this summer. And we belong to a county developmental disability baseball team because all three of my kids are autistic. And, you know, I get sports are for being your best on the field, but it's so much more than that. Yes. And at County DD, they have people in wheelchairs and like all my, you know, my three kids with disabilities are playing and they get to be with such a diverse group of kids, you know, who don't care about anything about winning or anything. It's just so fun to watch them just have fun. No yes. awareness of anything except we are having the time of our lives and we are all cheering for each other, no matter what team we are on. When they hit the ball, they go past us. The other team will like run past us because I'm out there on the field with my kids too. And like they'll run past us and we'll high five them as they're going to the next base and stuff like that. And it's just the absolute coolest thing. But one of the other things was I, why I was so proud of them was my daughter was sitting next to an autistic boy who was, he was just so happy and he's stimming and you know, my daughter sat right next to him and said, you are so happy. Why are you so happy? 
And he's just like happy, happy. And she said, that's awesome. I am so happy for you, buddy. You know, and um, then my other two boys are sitting over there playing with this kid in a wheelchair, just making him laugh so hard. And they were ragging on each other um, while they were batting and on the bases and stuff. And I was just like, look at that. Just look at that. That is so cool. And then a dad came up to me and said, you know, my son doesn't have any friends, but your son is my friend and it makes him so happy. And I was like, oh my gosh. I just love this story so much. What a sweet group of kids. I'm telling you, they have regular baseball teams come and volunteer there. I think it is something that everyone should experience. Everybody that comes and volunteers, they say, you know, we didn't even know this is like the most special thing. It is like a heaven on earth. I'm not kidding. It sounds so sweet, Anne. Yeah, it makes me ha- it makes my heart just smile big. And I think that that might be one of the reasons why life is really good right now is because we're involved in some really good heartwarming things. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that would be, that would contribute to it. Yes. The first six symptoms that we discussed last week were flashbacks, nightmares, sleep disturbance, hypervigilance, getting startled easily, depression, and anger. This week we'll, we will be starting with avoiding people, places, and things. That's another symptom of PTSD. I can really relate to this at so many levels. And as an autistic individual that has also experienced trauma and diagnosed post-traumatic stress disorder in my 20s, hearing the words avoiding people, places, and things took me back. And, you know, I hadn't even realized how far I'd come until we were talking, uh, until we're talking about this right now. Yeah, so as we were going over what the episode was going to be about this week, this one kind of stopped me and I thought, I've never been diagnosed with PTSD, but I do have a traumatic past over several instances and years, and it's come out even now as an adult, unknowingly, if you will. And so I I am taking time to sit and ponder on this because whether you like the label or don't like the label of PTSD, you know, some people are like, Oh good. This there's a term for how I'm feeling. And other people are like, I don't want to have a term for how I'm feeling because maybe there's a stigma or just, it makes you feel a certain way. So wherever you are with that, it's okay for me. I'm going to take this to heart and I'm going to uh, really be kind of processing my behaviors and just kind of looking back because There's a lot of this in here for me, too. So health.com states that many people with PTSD go out of their way to avoid anything that reminds them of the original trauma or that could be a trigger. So, for example, someone with PTSD might stop driving after a car accident or stop watching movies about hurricanes if they've been through one. And the article continues with the avoidance that can become broader than a specific person or setting. So if someone was a victim of sexual assault, not only do they avoid that person, but they might avoid men or women altogether, depending on who the perpetrator was. People with PTSD may also avoid their own feelings, thoughts, and memories. And this type of internal avoidance may go unnoticed, according to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. 
So after we had talked about this one, there is someone very close to me who I really do believe experiences this, but they don't want to admit it. They do not want to get help. So that's a hard place to be in for me, wanting someone to want to be helped and you can't want them to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I mean, people have to be ready um, when you're ready, but you can't force anybody to be. And unfortunately, I was that person who broadened their fears beyond the abuser. And I became fearful of all women. And I think for me, I had not had a reason to trust women the majority of my life. I think maybe, and I'm not sure about this, but maybe if I might have had a stable mom like figure that my core knew as trustworthy, that maybe I might have not transferred that fear when I had other fearful encounters with women in my 20s. Of course, I do not have that fear anymore. I can actually feel like that was another person. That's how much I've changed and grown. I, I can't even remember being that person, honestly. It's like such a, gosh, it's just such a distant memory. You can hear the joy in your voice when you say that, and I love it. What a beautiful testament to all that you've done to heal, Anne. It is inspiring, and I hope it inspires even one listener. I think one of the changes came when I became more than my abuse, and that's who I was for such a long period of time, but now my life is about other things. I think maybe if we can, I know of myself For myself, making my life about things outside of the abuse saved me. I wanted to take every pain I had gone through and I wanted to help others. That was one thing I did. And honestly, I still want to do this today. I became a director of a battered woman shelter and I wanted to help abused women and children. I would actually go to the hospital and help them from when they arrived to every step of the way until they were able to get out on their own. And I became a voice for the voiceless and that helped me find mine. That is so beautiful. You're such an amazing human. Well, you know, we, we just take our pain and we just can take it in whatever Avenue that we can. And I think that that was just, it just hits me in my core where I want to live. I mean, I just want to help other people as much as I possibly can. So another way I changed a good job with it. I'm sorry to interrupt. You did such a good job with that. And I think that's the thing you can either turn your pain into purpose or you can turn, you know, I don't know if turn away from your pain is the words that I want to use, but there aren't a lot of people who will turn into their pain and use it to help others. I know so many who have so much pain, but they stuff it almost like trying to pretend it's not there. And then you you never really get that transformation. You know, I'm in my fifties and I can tell you that I spent the majority of my younger years doing that. I stuffed and stuffed and numbed And that was my way of dealing. And I didn't let people close to me. I still am cautious about that. But I still believe in being able to help people and be cautious. Um, But yeah, I, I think that 
that really has what changed me. Another way I changed was when I helped women in the jail system, watching women who had been through so much of uh, abuse from their past, watching them become broken and then become the butterflies they needed and wanted to be was just so beautiful. I really believe in getting outside of your own pain to help others and theirs. It saved me and can it maybe help somebody else. Another way uh, was with my kids. My life is my kids. And I can honestly say I rarely have a moment now where I get afraid, like a real core fear where I used to live. I love the butterfly analogy. To me, they represent pain and joy, end and new beginnings. And they're one of my favorites. Yeah, they really do. I I just want to add that when I sit on my back deck, I see so much new life and it's just such a beautiful thing. I love springtime and all the little bunnies and birds and just the pairings that are going on with the animals and just everything new. I just absolutely love it. I love sitting back there and watching it. I do too. The article that we're talking about in health.com also touched on a deeper level of avoidance. I remember a time in my life where I went to drinking and smoking pot to numb. And that was such a different level of avoidance. I didn't want to feel any pain whatsoever. I drank so much that people thought that I had a problem. But honestly, in hindsight, it was because I was trying to avoid pain, thoughts, and memories, just like the article says. So in May of 2018, we had a stillborn baby boy, and he would have been five this year. And each year we honor him by doing a butterfly release or something similar. And it strikes me each year that my body remembers. It remembers the pain leading up to giving birth to him. Of course, I'll never forget, but my my body physically remembers and the emotions that come with it are very, very strong. And each year it's kind of taken me a little bit more by surprise at how much the loss seems to deepen and widen over time in very tender ways. But when our baby was born still, I remember the nurse telling me I could have any medication that I wanted to numb the pain. And I stopped and I looked at her through my tears and I said, I don't need medication to numb my pain. I'm grieving. This is a normal part of life. I need to feel my pain to heal it. You know, Tina, for one thing, I am so sorry about your baby. I, I know um, that we've talked about this before, but you know, I didn't know that you had body memories every year leading up to this um, horrible anniversary for you. Um, I am so sorry. I didn't know that. It's uh, that book titled the body keeps the score is so unbelievably true. I mean, mentally, physically, my body remembers. It's, wow. it's it's heartbreakingly amazing, if you can call it that, but it's so wow. very true. You know, almost in a way, it's something that you can cherish. And even though it's like a, a negative pain, it's just like something almost tangible that helps your body remember your baby. It's very interesting. Yeah, I haven't quite put my finger on how I feel about it. Just that it reminds me, not that I would forget, but 
my oh, absolutely. Right. right. Yeah. But I just mean, yeah, that's interesting, Tina. I didn't really know that. I Again, I am just so sorry uh, that you're going through that every year, too. That's okay. You know what? It's, um, I always think that there's something to be learned in the hard times. And what we learned through having a stillborn baby, it's one of those things you wouldn't want to go through it again, but you wouldn't want to give up what you gained from it either. Right. I always say that we need to go through, you know, when they tried to offer you medication to numb I do believe in going through the pain and you're right. Grief is part of the process. Absolutely. We only have time for one more symptom this week. Yeah, this is a big one, memory loss. And the health.com article talked about flashbacks and nightmares may force someone with PTSD to relive their trauma over and over and over, but they may find themselves unable to remember a significant aspect of their experience. The DSM-5, which is a resource that helps health professionals diagnose mental disorders, includes this inability to remember as another PTSD symptom. You've shared with us, Tina, the correlation between trauma and memory loss regarding your mom. Yeah, sadly and frustratingly, my mom suffers from PTSD, among other things, and My mom's team of doctors have told us they believe her early onset dementia is caused in large part by lifelong trauma. Her official diagnosis came at 59 years old. She is now 62 and the progression is quick. Hardest thing in my life right now. It's, it is devastating. It's, you know, you could say saying the longest goodbye is hard or not getting to say goodbye is hard. You know, when someone suddenly passes, but Here's the thing. I don't think we need to say one hard is harder than another hard. I think hard is plain tough, no matter what. Do you know what I mean? It is. They're different. No no use in comparing, I guess, is what I'm saying. Loss is loss and hard is hard, you know? And you've had different kinds of losses going along this journey with your mom. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the cruelest, brutal diseases ever. I I wouldn't wish it on an enemy. You know, it's, uh, it's tough. It is just really, really tough. We feel gypped. We feel gypped, but we are loving her through it. And the bright spots are seeing my mom's face light up the moments of clarity between her and I, and the way that my kids treat her so tender and loving, and they still want to see her, you know, that's so important to me. So we're, we're making it, we're making it work. It's just so sad, but it's very, it's a wonderful thing too, that your family gets to go on this journey with her, even though it's really hard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The article also states that this is not caused by any head injury or substance. This is strictly because of trauma. It states that there are three types of dissociative amnesia, localized amnesia, which is when you can't remember an event or period of time. I've actually heard of people not remembering anything about a traumatic event until there was a trigger. And Tina, you recently talked about when you had the mouse invade your home, how it triggered a past trauma that you didn't know was there at all. It sure did. It triggered trauma from my past in a way that I could have never, ever, ever prepared myself for. And 
I knew, obviously when I was triggered, it's, it stirred up the trauma. It's just, I didn't know it was like still buried somewhere, if you will, but it did end up changing my life for the better because now I see a trauma therapist to help me. And my husband and I's relationship is the strongest it's ever been because that mouse incident brought us so close. So there, there have now been some really bright lights at the end of what I thought was a really dark tunnel. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I've heard of people in therapy all of a sudden I've heard of this with people that they just say they have a clear, vivid memory of a traumatic event that finally helps explain their own behaviors or feelings that they never knew why. Absolutely. I am a testament to that. It has helped me understand myself multiple times when a trigger has, you know, triggered me and it's helped me see more clearly. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that I now understand a little bit more about myself and now I can fix that part or get help for that part or manage that part. Absolutely true. There are two more types of amnesia, but we don't have the time to handle that this week. So we're actually going to be leaving off here. Um, But you have a quote, Tina. I read this earlier in the week, twice actually, in different places. And I feel like when you see something more than once, you know it's really, really good and it's supposed to stick with you. So it said, hurt people hurt others, but luckily healed people heal others. Safe people shelter others. Free spirits, free others. Enlightened people illuminate others. And love always wins. So shine your light of love on all who may cross your path in life because what you do matters. Amen to that. Amen. I loved it. I love that. And you know, that kind of is what we were talking about a little earlier about just letting your light shine through the pain. And it kind of makes me think of, There was a speaker that I've seen a couple of times, Patsy Claremont. I don't know if you know who she is, but she always talked about the cracked pot where the light would shine through the pain. And so um, the, the light shines through where our cracks are. And that kind of reminded me. So shine your light of love on all who may cross your path in life. And I can kind of see it coming through the cracks of who we are too. So that's just like a little and that a little visual there that I have. Well, I love the visual to go with it because I am definitely a visual learner. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening this week. We are just growing and growing and we're just thrilled to do this journey with you. So we will See you next week with part three of our PTSD series on Real Talk with Tina and Anne.